Those loud noises you heard in the Bronx last night, they were the clapping of red thunder. Clint Frazier returned to the Yankees with a bang Wednesday night. We talk about the two-game sweep of the Braves, the weekend ahead against the Red Sox, and whether we are worried about Aaron Judge's lower body injury. Joel Sherman presents Sherman's Hot Corner. We will chat with five-time World Series champion and the 2000 Yankees World Series hero, the great Luis Soho. All that and more next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Welcome to the Pinstripe Pod, a New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Chris Sheeran, alongside my co-host, former Yankee and four-time World Series champ, Jeff Nelson. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Sheeran, yes. And Nelly is at NYNelly43. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you use Apple, please give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review, if you please. Joel Sherman and Louis Soho join the show today. But first, our producer, Jake Brown, leads it off with what's in the paper. And Jake, I'm picturing you like Drew Carey or Bob Barker with that long, skinny microphone about to interview me and Nelly. <laughs> A new car! <laughs> well, I, I picture myself in the Newsies and saying papes. Um, and if you haven't seen the Newsies and you're from New York, then you're not a true New Yorker, so you must watch the Newsies. Um, let's start on a positive note in the papes with the Yankees taking a, se- a series sweep here against the Braves. You saw positives, you saw negatives. I want to start it off a little happy note. How are you guys feeling after two games over the Braves? Considering they were 2-5 and five against the Phillies and the Rays over their last seven games, they come back home to start this nine-game homestand. That's exactly the way you want to start a homestand with a two-game series sweep. And it's against a tough team in the NL East and the Atlanta Braves, a pretty strong lineup. And the Yankees did have their issues with pitching, and uh, the games got closer. They weren't close at the beginning, Nelly, but they got closer. The bullpen, eight innings, four runs, three earned over those two games uh, against the Braves. I want to keep it positive, though. Two wins. Uh, I don't want to get negative. The Yankees are still winning ball games, Nelly. Yeah, absolutely. There was no Acuna Jr., so that was one thing that they missed. But, you know, the Braves were supposed to win the National League East, so that's a good little sweep there. You know, anything, anytime you play good teams and you kind of measure yourself against the good teams, yeah, they lost to Philadelphia two out of three, and, you know, they did lost three out of four to, to, the, uh, to the Rays. I mean, that, that's, you know, you want to bounce back in a positive note. They did. They still, they still had some positives. They had some really good positives offensively. You know, Clint Frazier came up. I mean, that was a good sign. Yes, it was. And I, I might disagree on the Braves winning the division, but they, <laughs> if, if, if healthy, they, were, they, were, they were picked. They were picked to win the division. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to, but they were picked in the beginning. And that's before Sorotka went out. Yeah. Even with the injuries, they, they were still playing pretty well. Um, right. All right. We're going to have to do a group text segment because Shearney texted that he had pelvic stiffness and might be missing the podcast. And I, for a second, I thought. Thought he was serious. I was like, "Damn, the pelvic pelvic injury sounds serious." Somebody else had some pelvic si- <laughs> stiffness too. I think. Yeah, <laughs> Jake, your thoughts? We won't go there. <laughs> uh, every day I wake up with pelvic stiffness. Um, but Aaron Judge had, didn't have pelvic stiffness, but he had lower body tightness, and he sat out Wednesday. Could be a precaution with the off day Thursday and back to back off days for him. Are you worried about yet another Aaron Judge injury with Giancarlo Stanton already out? Like now. 
Martinelli said in our last podcast, it was going to be fun to see both of these guys healthy and in the lineup for an entire season, albeit it's a shortened season with the 60 games. But I think anytime you see Aaron Judge taken out of a game, uh, lifted for a pinch runner, and then he doesn't play in the next game. I don't know about you, Nelly. They could downplay it all they want, but where there's smoke, there's usually fire. So I have to say I'm worried because Aaron Boone last night in the postgame show said he didn't know if Judge would be back on Friday against the Red Sox. So I don't see how you'd not worry about that. Well, when he makes that comment, absolutely. You know, I I just don't get it. You know, it's a shame that these guys, both Judge and Stanton, can't stay healthy. You know, I don't understand it. They are big guys. You think, you know, I just think about when I played and we had bigger guys and they always stayed healthy. I don't know why, uh, why all of a sudden they're breaking down. I'm going to be worried. They say that, oh yeah, he could have played, but if the bone's going to come out and say he doesn't know if he's going to play on Friday, I mean, that, that's a concern of mine. You know, I don't care if they're winning ball games or not. You know, yes, they can the division is not as strong. It might be one of the weakest in baseball, the AL East, which it never used to be. Uh, to give him some days rest, okay, I, I get it. But all of a sudden you're going into the weekend, and if he doesn't play Friday, then that's three days in a row. Uh, then all of a sudden you, you start getting concerned. And I, I, that just happens because he's had such an injured past, and, and everybody's going to throw up the red flags once they see him not playing on consecutive days. My pelvic and lower body is actually feeling great. Someone gave me a massage the other day, and, I, and I'm feeling a okay. Next up, are, 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 are we? Is this like an? I've R? got the stiffness now. <laughs> I, I think I, I I need help. Is this turning into an X-rated podcast? I, I just want to. I just want to know if we could curse now. It, too. It, it, it was a PG-rated <laughs> massage. Listen, it was no. There were no you know endings of happiness that came out of this. Um, anyways, Clint Frazier, the Red Rocket, homers in his first at bat last night and it was a rocket indeed should Clint Frazier now getting freshly called up be playing every day and getting consistent playing time well I I think he should especially and I know Nelly will probably echo this if 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 this with Aaron Judge is you hope it's not serious you knock on wood that it isn't but based on what Aaron Boone said not being you know uh positive about him being back on Friday I think with the DH uh open the way it is right now and the flexibility that I mean I I think Aaron Boone would rather have his entire team healthy here but Clint Frazier he should be getting a run here. I really think he deserves it. He he's earned it. He should uh, either be in the DH spot or in one of the corner outfield positions to get him some at bats. He looked ridiculously dialed in last night. The three hits, a triple shy of the cycle. And as far as platooning him against lefties, to me that doesn't make any sense. I know you have to get Talkman at bats too because he's swinging the bat really well. But you could put Talkman in one of the corner outfield positions, and you could put Frazier as the DH. And I know Mike Ford needs to get at bats you could platoon him with uh luke voigt and boy could get a day off at dh but frazier against righties 263 in his career 12 homers uh against uh lefties he's 250 with five homers against right-handed pitching he's got 35 of his 77 hits nelly are for extra bases and 13 of his 26 hits against left-handed pitching are extra base hits he's an equal opportunity destroyer it's time to see what this kid can do let red thunder run loose please well, you know, he works his butt off to get an everyday job and he just hasn't had the luck to get it. You know, if he was at a, if this season would have started on time, you know, Judge and Stanton weren't going to start the season. So he probably would have been maybe two, three hundred bats in 
at bats in by now. But yeah, he deserves to get everyday playing time. I mean, you can go down the list of players that probably need consistent at bats that I don't like to see get platoon. I mean, Voight needs to get consistent at bats. He's not a platoon guy. Ford could use the same thing. Talkman. Is there going to be a time that Brett Gardner, you know, they finally make a move with him and say, hey, we're just going to put you in as a defensive replacement. You've been around. Hey, everything that you've done, he's a hard worker. He's a great guy. Uh, he's the longest tenured Yankee. He goes all the way back to what, 2008? You're going to have to make a decision that you either play some of these young kids, give them the opportunity to be an everyday player. Now that Judge, now that Stanton are out and Frazier's going to be one of them, Talkman's going to be another, uh, to make that move and, you know, not, I guess, not have that loyalty. I, it's, I, it's great to have a manager that has loyalty to some players and loyalty to the veterans. But when the young guys are coming up and they're doing their job and they, they're, they deserve to get every day at bats, then sometimes you have to make that move. You just can't sit there and see somebody hit a buck something and all of a sudden Talkman and Frazier are not going to cover off the ball and you're trying to platoon these guys. It's not going to work. Jake, if I may, let me just uh, say something. There is no one on this planet that's a bigger Brett Gardner advocate oh, yeah, exactly. than, than this guy right here. But I have to say, Jeff brings up a tremendous point. And I think if Gardner is your backup outfielder and defensive replacement, to me, at this stage of his career and based on his start this season, it's nothing against Gardner, but I just think Talkman and Frazier deserve the shot. And I think you, you get more out of a rested Gardner. That's just me. Well, you're going to have to go into the playoffs with an with a an offense because you're going to face good pitching or better pitching than you have in the regular season, and you're going to need one through nine to hit. You can't be sitting there, okay, I'm going to give Brett Gardner every chance to try to get out of this or let him play every day. You're going to need to see Talkman. You're going to need to see Frazier. You're going to need to see guys like that get every day at bats because when you go in the postseason, you can't expect these guys to come off the bench and all of a sudden produce. It just doesn't work that way. I know it makes for better radio, better podcast if we argue and disagree but i i have to agree with you a, a thousand percent on that i certainly agree on equal opportunity destroyer i like that reference um, and yes i we all love brett garner because we are equal opportunity baldies as well and he's part of we the are. bald gang for sure last one in the papes Newsies edition is the MLB is thinking about the bubble, which I think we could all agree is a smart idea after guys are hit, hit for the playoffs and hitting the casino and uh, some team, you know, police what's happened with police act and what happened with the Indians, you know, players are essentially turning on their own teammates for them not cooperating. Um, but part of that playoff decision is that MLB with all these games postponed and especially the Cardinals right now is considering going by winning percentage in the playoffs for those teams that might not make it as 60 games. What do you guys think about that and having playoff teams that might play 40 to 50 and not 60 going up against teams that played 60? It just doesn't seem fair. It's not a level playing field and baseball is going to have a lot of explaining to do. And I know they're, they're trying to piecemeal this together in the worst possible situations that are going on with coronavirus. We had the Marlins outbreak after the first weekend of the season for crying out loud the cardinals can't get back on the field what have they played five games jeff five five uh, games so it's going to be very difficult for me as a lifelong baseball fan that if a team plays 40 games and has a better winning percentage than a team that and they sneak in ahead of a team that's played all 60 games and listened to the protocols and followed the protocols that's not going to sit well with me i don't know about you nelly no i don't think it's fair either and, and you know when it comes time to it, if all of a sudden the Cardinals go and say, hey, we were only able to get in 45 games, uh, they may have been one of the better teams. And all of a sudden, if they do go, they say, hey, you know what? You didn't get 
60 in. We can't help that. Uh, you know, that's kind of not fair either. You know, I, I don't know where you draw the line. I, I don't see how I, I still see. I still see that there's going to be an outbreak with another team. I mean, how can it not? Uh, even when they do have people that or they're, or they're policing the p- hotels and making sure guys don't get out. But obviously that doesn't work because look at the Cleveland Indians and, and stupid Clevenger who didn't say anything until after a flight. And all right. of a sudden now they're all all uh, throwing each other under the bus. You know, I, I see that happening. And, and we talked about it the last podcast that what happens with the teams that are going to be out of it in the middle of September, the last week of September, they're just going to say, ah, forget this, man. We're not, you know, we're out of it. We're going to go out. If we, if we get it, we get it. And I think, you know, Major League Baseball has to be worried about that. And all of a sudden then you have a pandemic and then, or, or a, a uh, an outbreak through a team and then they're not going to be able to play the other teams. I don't know how this works. I don't know how they're going to try to j- rectify this and, and get everyone to play 60 games. Uh, it's going to have to be one of those things that the Cardinals are just going to have to play a double, three or four double headers every, uh, you know, every week. And then you're risking injury. You've already seen a number of guys go down. And, you know, that, that's the thing that always bothered me as well is that you're trying to shorten the season. You're trying to you tr- shorten the summer camp and 2.0 and look at them, look at the amount of guys that are going down. And it's not just pitchers, but more pitchers and more significant pitchers than, than position players. But you're going to continue to see this. And, and I, I don't know what the Cardinals do. I don't know what Major League Baseball does. Uh, you, you know, I don't like the winning percentage because you're right. It's not fair for other teams. I do like the idea of the bubble. You know, they're going to have to do that. It's no home field advantage anyway because there's not going to be any fans. I have the Borgata and AC want emailing me to come down there. And guess what, Cardinals? I'm fighting the good fight and not <laughs> wasting all my money at the blackjack table. Let me hand it off to Chris Sheeran and Jeff Nelson as you guys look ahead to a four-game set with the Red Sox. Take it away. And now, and now that Jake has a has a rooftop, he could have the chopper just land on the rooftop to take him down to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me ask no my agent. Let me stiffness. I mean, he's in. He's good. <laughs> I think that, I think some of the Marlin players had to try to uh, – they had too much pelvic stiffness. Let's move away from the pelvic stiffness. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the Yankees. Uh, Jeff, they have an off day Monday and Thursday this week. They have two off days again in two weeks. And and the great thing about this upcoming schedule for the Bombers, 16 of their next 18 games are in New York. Three of those are at City Field, but they could sleep in their own bed. And I just want to, I got to get this to you because former player, how much easier was it, especially now in the pandemic, to be home in your own bed? and, And you're talking about 16 of the next 18 the only two games that aren't are in Atlanta where you're going to be away just for a two-game series, but that's got to be huge for the Yankees. It is. I mean, you always like the home cooking and then being home and, uh, you know, having the everything that you have at home instead of going on the road. On the road, you're stuck at a hotel. At least when you're home, you can actually get out and, and walk around, walk your walk your dog, do whatever, play with your kids. On the road, you can't do anything. You're stuck in a hotel, and the only thing you can do is get on the bus, go to the park, come back to the hotel, and go to your room again. So, yeah, that's huge. You, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to have that. You know, the off days, you know, maybe sometimes you would like to spread those out a little bit, but at the same time, I mean, you look at kind of works out you want to pitch your best pitcher as much as possible and that's Garrett Cole and uh, with those off days maybe they can work with that because 60 games you want to try to get as many starts as possible maybe you can squeak 15 out of them I don't know if that is possible but you'd like to see him out there as much well looking at the schedule the Yankees have a four game wraparound weekend series with the uh, Red Sox this weekend and Red Sox team ERA the 26th in baseball they've got the worst whip in the majors 1.55 and 274 batting average 
against. That's next to last. That's 29th in Major League Baseball. So the Yankees will probably welcome that. Uh, a four-game series against Boston, a team that they swept a couple weeks back. They took three in a weekend series. They only have one trip up to Boston. That's in the middle of September. I believe it's the 16th through the 18th. So after this four-game series, the Yankees only have one more three-game series with the Red Sox, but they could get Cole, Paxton, Hap, Monty, and Tanaka over this four-game series against the Red Sox. And then the first game against the Rays, which is huge after this Red Sox series, you have to, you could have Tanaka go on an extra day. So Aaron Boone could line this up perfectly over these next two series, Nelly. Yeah, they could. You know, the Red Sox, they have a, they have a decent lineup. They, you know, they have some good offensive players, but pitching, they're horrible. Their bullpen is not great either. Uh, they're going to wind up getting Evaldi. That's, that's about the only good starter that they have now. Uh, but, you know, obviously the Yankees got to, in their mind, still think this is a rivalry, no matter how bad the Red Sox are now. And they got to take three out of four, if not sweep them. And, you know, with the off days, like you mentioned, they can line up their starting pitching and, and they can get the better starters. You, you know, we saw, you know, we, we talked this before, you know, we saw Tanaka, maybe they're just trying to limit him as far as pitching. You look in the playoffs, they only allowed him to go five anyway, maybe twice around the lineup. And once they hit that third third time, they're, they're getting this guy out of there. Uh, 66 pitches yesterday. I would have liked to seen more 50 some his last start against the Rays five innings I would have liked to seen more you know I, he needs to get up to 80 85 pitches because what happens if he starts struggling or early in the playoffs you can't always go to that bullpen I guess you can but I would like to see him get up to 85 90 pitches at least maybe they're maybe they see something or, or something's going on say okay we're gonna limit him to at least 65 or 70 the rest of the season that'll be it well you heard Boone after the game said he gave us four solid innings but in the playoffs I mean to to, to keep running your bullpen out there it just it's well I mean amazing. even in the past last year they took him out too early I mean you let him yeah. you know you almost watch, you watch these guys and and see how they do the eye test is everything I mean if they're not struggling and they're going out there dominating a lineup why make a move you know it, it seems like teams and Aaron Boone sometimes they're, they're so eager to make that move when you really don't have to ride these guys if they're going well let them if they're not if they're breezing through lineups there's no sense in trying to go to that bullpen i know you have a good one but save it sometimes hey he's the manager he's in the dugout he sees tanaka he talks yeah. to him in between innings so obviously uh he had a reason to take him out after four the bullpen got it done loiska picks up his second win of the season uh it's it's yeah it's time now nelly for sherman's hot corner let's bring in new york post baseball insider Joel Sherman. The Yankees are 12 and 6 right now. It's one of the best records in the major leagues. And in this strange season, it's good for some perspective always to take a step back and say, what does 12 and 6 mean? Well, over 162 games, that's 108 victories. And yet, when you're watching the Yankees, do you get a feeling you're watching a 108 win team? There's just been a lot of misfires, not clean play. Is that just the disjointed season, not having fans in the stands? A lot of different reasons why things could be going wrong in 2020. But just take a step back. Why don't we look at all three levels of the team and wonder where they could be getting better, right? Garrett Cole has mainly been what the Yankees wanted. We haven't seen the best best out of him, somebody who's given him seven, eight, nine innings of greatness yet, but he's been their best guy by far. And the last time around the rotation, Jordan Montgomery, James Paxson, Masahiro Tanaka, they all showed some encouragement. And the Yankees skipped Jay Happ. Now, maybe they're doing that for some contractual reasons. They don't want his option to trigger. It's a vesting option for $17 million. 
And at this point, it looks like he isn't going to be able to get to the numbers, the thresholds that would be necessary to make that happen anyway. But I also think you should keep an eye out about just how long Jay Happ is going to be in this rotation. The Yankees were very impressed with Clark Schmidt in, in the second spring training. And I wouldn't be surprised if Clark Schmidt is starting some games for them down the stretch by September 1st. Could he be kind of their September surprise heading into the playoffs? As far as the bullpen, that should be getting better in the next few days as Araldis Chapman gets closer to being back. Zach Britton did a really good job filling in for Chapman. Now he moves back down to the eighth. Adam Adovino has been good. Chad Green, quite frankly, has been one of the five best relievers over the first three weeks of this season in the major leagues. But the loss of Tommy Canely does leave the need for one more guy that Aaron Boone can feel really strongly about. Now maybe that's a trade sometime between now and August 31st, because right now the next most reliable guy in his bullpen is the journeyman Luis Avilan. That's not going to work the rest of the year, I would think. They love the big arms, the Lois Sigers, the Cesses, the Mike Kings. Lois Saiga is the best of that group is just arm. Can he bring some consistency and breathe that other reliever, be the Tommy Canely down the stretch, maybe even better because he could give some length? Or will the Yankees have to go out and see if they can make a trade in this strange season for a bullpen guy? As far as their lineup is concerned, they're scoring plenty of runs most of the time, but there does feel some inconsistency there. And maybe again, that's just this year. The batting average league-wide is in the 230s. It's 1968 levels here. And so, you know, it's no surprise to see low batting averages all around and high strikeout numbers. So it's amazing that even three weeks into the season, DJ LeMayu is hitting over 400. And you just wonder, how did he not win three or four batting titles while playing in spacious Coors Field when you see him stroke the ball all over the field as a Yankee for the year plus he's been with New York? Him, Mike Tockman, Aaron Judge, Gio Urshelar, those have been the really good at-bats pretty much all season for the Yankees. Mike Ford has done a nice job. Clint Frazier came up and had a very nice game. Luke Voigt's added some power. But the reality here is what turns the Yankee season around is their shortstop, Gleyber Torres, who, if we're being frank, has been one of the worst players in the major leagues this season. In a year where I think we expected him to maybe even challenge for the American League MVP. He's not been a comfortable field at shortstop, and he's not been a good at bat, especially when he falls behind in the count. There's been a lot of non-competitive at-bats, and he's already fallen out of the number three spot in the lineup. The Yankees to be the best version of themselves, not just a 108-win team on pace in this season, but to be a team where you really feel like they're a 100-plus win powerhouse in any season. They need Glaber Torres to play better on both sides of the field. He's been the most disappointing Yankee to this point of the season. If they get a turnaround from him, that would be a big deal. This has been Joel Sherman with his Hot Corner. Pleasure to have on the five-time World Series champion, four with the Yankees, of course, one with the Blue Jays, Luis Soho. He also had nine RBI, which was second on the team in the 2000 postseason. Uh, we'll hear from our producer, Jake Brown, on that because he's a Mets fan in a little bit. Uh, but first, we welcome in Luis Soho. Thank you so much for joining us, Luis. We appreciate it. Uh, you joined the Yankees August 22nd, 1996. You were claimed off waivers from Seattle. What was that moment like for you to join? the Yankees and put on the pinstripes. 
was a great time because uh, they put me on waivers in Seattle, and I don't know exactly what uh, my future is going to be like in the next couple of months. But uh, when I got that phone call from Bob Watson, God bless him, and uh, you know that was something that first of all we don't want to go there because the year before we played the Yankees. She's like, uh, well, not me, but my wife. She hates New York. She hates New York. So she don't. She don't want to go there. So okay, <laughs> you know what? You go back to Venezuela, and uh, I'm just gonna go there for a couple for a couple of weeks, and uh, let's see what happens. And uh, soon I got there, man. It was something that. Well, very special. Well, special, Louis, because we just got you. You were playing with Tino and I again. I mean, we were uh, we were there in '95, and of course, the big hit against the Angels that sent us into the playoffs. And then you then you joined former teammates again. I I'm, I knew what kind of player you were. You, you were one of the best infielders I've ever seen. But we had we again we had great chemistry in '95, and then you coming over to '96, it was like you know right where you left off. Yeah, I mean, and that was something that uh, that I was I was okay with because I knew I wanted. To- Made you and uh, and Tino, but uh, you know when you get when you new in the team, you don't know what you want to face. But I find out right away. I find out right away what was Yankees all about that year. You know that was about winning. It was about a good chemistry, like you say. I mean that was something very special, very special because uh, it's all about win day in and day out. When you play for another team, well, in Seattle, for example, in Seattle was the same way. I mean, when we find out that we can we can win day in and day out, that's something that has a player. You say you follow your leaders, and that's what I found out with the Yankees when I got there in '96. How about having five batting titles in the Venezuelan Winter League from Venezuela, Luis? How, how much pride do you take in that? Venezuela, I mean, that was that was fun. I played in Melly over there too. So. I was going to say, did you ever get tired of me? Because I was like in '95, we were together '90, and then the Yankees all together, and then I follow you over to your country and play on your team. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what my life was about, man. I said, man, I'm getting tired to see this guy, but it's nothing I can do, you know. I just say I'm just going to help him out. You see what he can find out about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, there was a special in Venezuela. I mean, Venezuela and winter ball, that's something that uh, when you first start playing there, you like I say, you follow your leaders. And my idol was Dave Concepcion. And I get to play against him. And that was something very special uh, to match uh, Big Dovalillo and uh, with four batting titles. And uh, for me, that was something that, that's something like I already got my career done. I mean, that, that was something that I don't have to do anything else in winter ball. So when I get the, uh, when I get the, uh, the five, the fifth batting, uh, batting title. Wow! I say, I mean, what, what else can I do? You know, I win World Series, I, I, I win batting titles, I win titles in Venezuela. I'm, I'm, be, I'm very, I'm very humble, man. I mean, used to to win all those uh, things, and uh, uh, but the, the batting title that's something that was very special for me in my career. You know, I know for for an Ameri- for Americans now it's different because they have winter ball everywhere. But you know, when we were gr- playing, I mean, it was an honor to go and be asked to go to the Dominican or Puerto Rico or Venezuela, Mexico. Uh, as an American, you wanted to go there. And, you know, I went to Puerto Rico right the year before I went to the big leagues in 91. And in 93, I go over and I, and I get the chance to play with Louis. Louis has a statue over there. He's like the king of Lottera over there. I mean, it, it's amazing <laughs> what, what he's about. And you can understand. I mean, he's a, uh, he's Mr. Lottera over there. It's, it's like uh, you walk into the clubhouse or get into the stadium. There's a big statue of Louis over there. Yeah, uh, that's something really that made me proud. But uh, it's amazing how my career went because, like you say, I was like, 
I can. An idol in my, in my country, you know. Get to get to Venezuela, she's like people was waiting for me to get there. But now, when you get to the United States and you have to go to spring training and uh, battle for a spot in the roster, that's something that, as a player, I have to change my chip. You know, it's like, okay, Venezuela is over. <laughs> now, it seems like I come to reality. I had a, I had a battle to, to make this roster. I played 13 years in the big leagues, and not that many people know this. I have to go to spring training 11 times and fighting for that spot. I, I was the 24th or 25th player on the roster. But uh, for me, it's like, uh, okay, I don't have to worry about the other play because I was competing with four or five more utility guys. So I have to worry about, about what Luis Sohos can do on the field day in and day out. And I got impressed my my teammates and uh, the front office, uh, the managers. And, uh, and I was okay with that. I was okay with that. So, you know, over the years, I had that question, especially in Venezuela. It's like, man, how, how you do it? It's like uh, you got to go to the United States and battle for a job, basically. And when you when you come over here, it's like, are you the man? It's like, it's like Nelly, I got I got everything over there. I got a statue in the stadium and everything, and I was like a guy when I got there. Yeah, mentally, mentally, I, I got to prepare every year to come to the United States and say, you know what? Okay, this is what I got. I got I to gotta do my job, and I, that, that was what I do. We talked to a couple of your teammates uh, on this podcast, and Nelly's teammates also from that 96 team, and hearing how much you had to battle year in and year out, and you embraced it. You, you, you just said you embraced it. You liked to battle, and you liked to win the jobs. But how special was that 1996 World Series championship for you? Considering Luis, you, you do you did have to battle year after year to get that roster spot. Oh, it was special because uh, you know in my career and when I was with the Blue Jays, they put me on waivers. So now I gotta I gotta look for a job. In ninety in ninety one, I went to Anaheim and. Uh, Two years later, they put me on wave. I went to Seattle when I had, I, I was, I love Seattle. I love what we do over there. And she's like, okay, I, I'm okay here. And they put me on wave. <laughs> now I get to New York, she's like, okay, whatever happened, happened. When you part of the team, when you feel part of the team, that's when you start find out and say, okay, that's what I want to be. Because when I got there, I don't know what my future was like in the next couple of months, like I said. And then, then, and then Joe Torres started playing me like late in the game. And I said, okay, I feel like I'm a part of the team now. Because when I got there, I was kind of lost, to be honest with you. But uh, when you start uh, getting involved and they start using you and my teammate embrace you and say, hey, good job, man. We're glad that you're here. You know, when I say that, I'm talking about Nelly and talking about Tino because we played together in Seattle. And they knew what I can bring to the table. And uh, in, my, in my mind, I'm always always was a winner and uh, that was something that was great for me and uh, I, I enjoy I enjoyed that, that time in, in, in 96. Well I mean I would have never known that you're always battling for positions because you were one of the best middle infielders I've ever seen I mean the stuff that you did I mean it was amazing and and how about I mean you I think you were a big influence in, in Derek Jeter a little bit you know being there and, and helping him out as far as fielding and and, uh, and obviously look what he's done but I you know watching you work with him and, and being over there at short stop and teaching him some things that was pretty incredible yeah yeah i mean um at first i don't want to i don't want to do it to be honest with you because in 95 i was the i was the short stop for the for the seattle mariners in the playoffs you know late late in the season and then i don't want him to think that which i never want to get his job <laughs> but 
but I don't want him to think like, oh, you know, we play the same position. You know how that is. You know how that is. So in Jorge, Jorge Posada come to me, hey, Louis, man, you, you need to help my body because uh, he got a lot of holes right now. So you think you can talk to him and say, so, Jorge, I don't want him to think. Don't, don't worry about it. I got that under control. So the next morning, I remember we play on Monday, uh, Sunday, uh, 1 o'clock. So we got together and doing body practice. And uh, uh, we're talking about all plays because basically, you know, Derek, he used to make all the routine plays. But uh, when he turned over play, he used to go straight to the runner. And that was, that really scared me. That really scared me because, uh, and then we start talking about saying, you got to get out of the way. He said, I can swipe. I cannot swipe the back. This is hard, too hard for me. So we start working on it. We start working on it. And you know, Nelly, you know me. I never get early to the ballpark. I always get at like three. And uh, <laughs> for that moment, oh, man, <laughs> I got to be there like 12, 30. Or so. Oh, my God. So we do that for a month. We do that for a month. So we're talking about, and that's the great thing that Derry has as a rookie. He always asks questions. You know, he always wants to learn. For me, that was that was easy because when you got a guy like now that I'm a coach, when you got a guy like that, it makes your job a lot easier for you. Luis, Jake Brown here. Unfortunately, I am a Mets fan, and I was nine in 2000, and that was the first year that I was a Mets fan. And, you know, one of your big moments, your final World Series championship with the Yankees comes in the ninth inning, Al Leiter, you hit a C&I single up the middle, and you made nine-year-old Jake cry. Um, So I really thought the Mets had a shot. If they win that game, all those games were pretty close. I mean, listen, the first game was the uh, the long one, extra innings. That game came down to the ninth inning, and you hit that single off Al Leiter. So I just wanted to say you made me cry, and I also wanted to see what that feeling was. I mean, to have a World Series winning hit to cap off a three-peat against the Mets and the second run scores when the ball hits off Posada, and just that iconic moment had to be such a special one for you in your career, even if you made children cry like me. Yeah, first of all, I'm sorry about that. I mean... <laughs> No, you're not. I'm not. <laughs> he did it in 95, too. It seems like every time to, there's a big moment, people, here comes Louie. I don't want I don't want to make people cry, but I was doing my job. You know? Well, now that you mentioned, yeah, I don't, I don't care. So, um, you know, that was that was my whole life, definitely, in my career. You know, used to come through in that particular time. And I always say this. When you got a players like Jide, Posada, Bernie, O'Neal, Brosius, uh, Tino, I mean, all those, all those guys there. And it was me that delivered that big hit for, for the team. That, that was uh, that was the moment of my career. But you know what? That's why we were special, because it doesn't matter who was in the play, because we trust everybody. I mean, this team was about trust. And it doesn't matter who was on the mound. We always want to back him up. It doesn't matter who's come to play. And uh, for me, all those seven years that I played, that I played with the Yankees, that was something like my teammates, they really appreciate me. And and, that, and that's something that uh, that I love. I mean, every time I see Nelly and, and doing the Fantasy Camp, we're always talking about the uh, those championships. And, and uh, they, they thank me. And, and I love that. When I see Wade Box, Wade Box give me a hug and kiss me. And when I see my, t- I mean, that's something that uh, you're never going to forget. And uh, to be able to to be part of the team, that organization for seven years and win four uh, uh, championships, that's something that I, I'm going to go through my my, my 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 kids and my, my grandson. Nearly, I don't have one yet, so I know you're going to go there. But I don't have a grandson <laughs> yet, but that's going to be hopefully soon. And that's something that, that I'm never going to forget. It was probably wow. a high fastball because, you know, you couldn't throw it high enough to Louie. And he tomahawked that <laughs> stuff in, in right, left, center. It didn't matter. 
Hey, hey, let me ask, let me let me ask you something. All, all you guys, I gotta ask you a question. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how many halves was the base of the middle. Do you guys know? It was probably like fifteen. <laughs> Are we using that as an uh, analytic now? <laughs> well, you you nice, you nice. You got people say like twenty five, forty five halves. So it don't matter. That, that went through. <laughs> Exactly. It was a line drive. All we know is a line Listen, drive. Listen, it's still rolling in my head right now. I think it's still going into center field, and Jay Payton is still waiting to pick it up today, 20 years <laughs> later. Played that stupid song, Who Let the Dogs Out? How many times they wear that thing? Who out? Let the Mets Out, actually, was the remix. <laughs> oh, man. Well, for me, man, for me, to be honest, that was the hottest ball that I ever hit, so... Come on. <laughs> well, you, you you used the right time to have the hardest ball you ever hit. We weren't we weren't measuring exit velo back then, but I'm sure it it had a, a pretty high exit velo. Now you played in the Yankees old timers day game in 2003, hit the game winning homer off of Louisiana Lightning, Ron Guidry, and then the Yankees signed you back as an active player later that season. What was that, how weird was that, and what was that like for you, Luis? Oh, that was weird. That was weird. You know, when 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 that happened, you know that year I started playing Mexico. I played Mexico for a month. That is, I think it was a stupid thing that I ever did. But uh, I, I was there, and I was I was killing the ball. <laughs> I was playing really good. And then next thing you know, I got this phone call, and I told my wife, "This is nine one seven. That's New York." So I answered, and then uh, I heard this voice like, "Yo, Tori." Hey, Louis, this is your turn. How are you? So I hang up. I say, somebody's playing something with me. So <laughs> I hang the phone up. And then next thing you know, the phone rings again. Oh, uh, well, that might be serious. So they, hey, man, this is, uh, this is your Tory. Hey, yo, how you doing? So he want me He want me to go there. All right. Because so, uh, Alfonso Soriano, if you guys remember, he got a, he got some problem defensively. He want me to start working with him. So I got there. So I got there, and um, next thing you know, it was the old-timers. Old-timers game, you know, I'm enjoying my first one, blah, blah, blah. And then Jitty um, got hurt, like uh, late in August, he got hurt. So I was taking ground ball because I come from Mexico. I was in good shape still. Well, I never was in good shape, but uh, I feel I good. So <laughs> <laughs> You look the same now as you did when you played. <laughs> And still can pick it. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. So I, I was taking ground ball, turned over plays, which I was doing that with Gita and, and, and Soriano every time. I mean, Joe Torre called me at the office, and I was uh, on my way there. I was thinking, God, what I do? I don't, I don't do nothing run. I got there, and I was Cashman, Dan Zimmer, and, and Joe Torre. And they started looking at me like, wow, so, hey, what I do? Did I do something wrong? No, 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 we got song for you. And uh, we want you to be honest. So, okay, go ahead. I said, you know, Jita got hurt, but uh, we don't have nobody. Nobody ready in AAA and double A, so we don't want to bring a veteran player because Jita's thing is going to be short. So we want to activate you. So I thought they were joking around. So I started looking, what's the camera? I mean, uh, you guys <laughs> joking around. You know what's great about that? You said you had to battle 11 of the 12 years for a roster spot. And you said every time you joined the team, you were on waivers, Toronto, Seattle, and you were always looking to find that home. What's great about this story, and, and I'm sorry I cut you off in the middle of it, but what's great about it is you finally found that home in New York. And when they asked you to come back and they didn't have anybody ready, they had that trust in you that they knew that you could do the job. That had to make you feel outstanding. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And that, and that, and that, especially in that particular time, I say, okay, I mean, I'm the guy. Joe Torre always trusts me. But you know who uh, who made me think that went? Dan Simmons. Dan Simmons one time, he, he, he put, he 
put me on the side. I wasn't doing batting practice. It seems like a, I feel like that was my day. That was a Sunday, one o'clock day. I say, okay, Jire, Nabla, and Brochus, they need a day off. And I, you know, you feel like that was your day. I, I'm going to play. So I wasn't, I wasn't playing. My attitude, to be honest with you, my attitude was terrible. So I was taking batting practice like I don't want to be there. And then finally, Don Simmons put me on the side. He shoot me out. He's like, he really... He really shoot me out. He was, he was so pissed. And uh, finally he says, you know what? You see that guy over there? It's nobody in this team that he trusts more than you. So you got to cut that crap and uh, start focus and do your job. And somebody's got to do it. And you're the utility guy. When they, Whatever they push you there, go there and perform. And that changed. From that day on, I changed my, my attitude, my mindset. I knew it, what was my role. Because when you play baseball and you're in the roster, you want to play. You know, regardless of what, if you're the 20, 24 or 25th player, you, you want to play. So I feel like, okay, I talked to CM and say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm going to change my attitude. And, and that's, what, that's when I start. That's when I start doing my job and focus on what I need to do to help the team to win. Luis, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate five-time World Series champion, four with the Yanks, of course, one with the Blue Jays, Luis Soho. You're a legend uh, in New York Yankees lore, especially during the dynasty, and we appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Louie. Thank you, guys. Be good. That's a wrap for episode 18, or the Scott Brocious, or the Randy Velarde episode of the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. Make sure to subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and write a nice review, please. We appreciate your continued support. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We will be back on Monday, breaking down the first three of four of the Yankee series against the Red Sox. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. And remember, as always, stay safe, everybody.